Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles there, we're going to stay there in uh, Matthew 3. And uh, believe it or not, I am not going to speak long today. I know some of you have heard me say that before. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to share with us just for a few minutes from Matthew 3 about what we're here to do today. And then we're going to go and do it. So the Bible encourages us not just to be hearers of the word, but to do it, but to be uh, acting upon the word. And so we're going to do that today as we uh, look at Matthew 3. We see this first mention of this thing called baptism. And there's all kinds of different ideas about what baptism is, about what baptism means, about uh, how necessary is this for those who are following Jesus? Is this uh, going to be our ticket into heaven? Or is this just a, uh, a symbolic act that we can kind of take it or leave it? But, but Jesus here is, is setting before us an example. Just as we're going to see with these four individuals that are going to be baptized this morning, Jesus is setting before us an example that we would walk in obedience to what he is setting before us. And so I just want to talk real briefly about what we believe about what we're getting ready to do. Before we act, we need to, before we act rightly, we need to think rightly. And so we're going to talk just for a few minutes about what is baptism, and then uh, we'll hear some testimonies, and we'll see these folks baptized and celebrate that today. So, as we see here in John 3, Jesus comes to John the Baptist, who's been out baptizing. Baptism was not created by John the Baptist. The Jews had been practicing baptism for a long time. If you wanted, as a non-Jew, to enter into the Jewish faith... Oftentimes that was, baptism was the means, that was the doorway by which you, a non-Jew, could become a Jew. And so they knew a little bit about baptism. But John comes, and John is connecting baptism primarily to this idea of repentance, of turning away from sin. And then Jesus is going to come, and he's going to connect baptism not just to repentance, but to faith. And that means to faith. In him, So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but we basically see it. We see a number of things in this passage, but I just want to give you four thoughts today as we prepare for these baptisms to help us to think rightly about what we're doing here today. First of all, we need to understand that baptism is a reminder of the righteousness of God. Amen. Baptism reminds us that there is a holy God with whom we're going to have to have something to do. Even the atheist who denies the knowledge of God, which the Bible says clearly, only the fool says in his heart there is no God, but even the atheist is going to have to have something to do with this holy God. And so when Jesus and John come together and they have their little discussion about who's going to baptize who, John's saying, hey, listen, you're going to be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me because this is to fulfill all righteousness. If you look at verses 13 through 15, you'll see that little discussion there between Jesus and John. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me in order to fulfill all righteousness. Now, there's a lot that Jesus was saying there, and that could be a whole sermon in and of itself. But let me just say this. He was reminding John and reminding us that we have a holy and righteous God who is perfect in all of his attributes. And that one day we're all going to stand before this holy God and have to give an account for our lives and primarily give an account for what did we do with God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so baptism reminds us that there is a holy God. We're going to stand before Him one day 
And we want to stand before Him, not clothed in our righteousness, because the prophet Isaiah reminds us that our righteousness is like filthy rags before a holy God. It's not going to have any standing. We don't want to stand before God in our own righteousness, in our own good works, and in what we think is fitful to stand before this holy God. We want to follow God's instructions and stand before Him in light of His righteousness, and even, as the Bible says, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And baptism reminds us of that truth. Secondly, this morning, baptism not only reminds us that there is a righteous God with whom we're going to have to give an account, but baptism also reminds us of the rebellion of mankind. Again, John and Jesus both are connecting what we're about to do today to this issue of repentance, to this issue of turning away from sin is the issue of reminding us that while God is holy, we are not. We were not born holy. We are made holy through the righteousness of Christ, but we don't come into this world holy. We come to this world sinners. Just like our first parents, Adam and Eve, we've sinned against this holy God. That makes us deserving of His wrath, of His judgment. But we remind ourselves that that rebellion against God, that sin against God can only be taken care of by one person. And it's not you and me. It's Jesus Christ. And so baptism reminds us that we've rebelled against God, that we need to repent, that we need to trust in Jesus to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Thirdly this morning, baptism reminds us of the redeeming love of Christ. Baptism is a picture in our baptism class a couple weeks ago, actually that was last Sunday, wasn't it? In our baptism class last Sunday, I used this illustration of my wedding ring. On March the 10th of 2001, I stood uh, with, with my pastor and, and my wife walked, my soon-to-be wife walked down the aisle and we exchanged these rings as a symbol of our new relationship with one another as husband and wife. And this is what baptism is. This is a symbol of a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we see baptism picturing what Jesus has done for us. As we watch these folks here in a few minutes be laid under the water, we're reminding ourselves that He died in our place. We're reminding ourselves that He was buried in a tomb that rightfully belonged to us as sinners, but the one who knew no sin of His own became sin for us so that through Him we might become the righteousness of God. Baptism is reminding us that He died in our place. And then as these folks come up out of the water, we're reminding ourselves that our Savior didn't stay dead. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world today. The Muslims who have once again regained control of Afghanistan today do not serve a living Savior. They follow a dead Muhammad. And what can a dead Savior do for us? A dead Savior can do nothing for us. But the living Savior, Jesus Christ, can raise us from the dead. And He has promised to do so. And so in baptism, we identify with His death, with His burial, and we identify with His resurrection. As these folks come up out of the water, and I'm going to encourage you today to celebrate that. I love that our church celebrates baptism. I remember in my home church, folks would get baptized and everybody's going to sit there. Maybe there was a polite golf clap. I don't really know. But but it was just a quiet moment. I like the fact that for us, there has been cheering and clapping and whooping and hollering. That ought to be encouraging to us. 
Because baptism is a celebration of new life in Christ. And so, again, baptism, a reminder of the righteousness of God, a reminder of the rebellion of mankind, a reminder of the redeeming love of Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection being pictured in this baptism. And then finally, baptism reminds us of our required response to the gospel. Baptism reminds us that it's not enough just for us to hear the gospel. It's not enough just for us to know the gospel. But baptism reminds us that we must act upon the gospel. Now, we want to be very clear today. Baptism does nothing to save us. If you if you want to see proof of that, go to the man who was crucified on one side of Jesus. He had no opportunity to be baptized, and yet Jesus said to him upon his profession of faith, when he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, when he called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And then Jesus said, well, dude, I wish you could get in, but you can't get baptized now. He didn't say that, did he? No, he said, surely today you will be with me in paradise. And so baptism, what we're about to do today, does nothing to save anybody, but it does remind us of where our salvation is to be found, and it's found in Jesus Christ. We want to get that clear today, because a lot of folks have a lot of confusion. We want to be very clear today, we are saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, not by any works that we might do. We're saved by trusting in Jesus to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves We are saved by God's grace, His gift, and that is sufficient. But our required response to the gospel really has two main parts. And they're summed up in this summary statement that both Jesus and John, their sermons were fairly short. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn from your sins and know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How do we know the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Because the king is here. That's what we're celebrating is the coming of the king. Matthew's gospel is all about the coming of King Jesus. From the very beginning of Matthew's gospel, he's wanting us to understand Jesus is no ordinary man. Now, He was a man in every way that a man can be a man. He was tempted in every way that we are, and yet He was without sin. He experienced all of our sufferings to their fullest extent. He was the fullness of humanity, and yet He was also the fullness of God. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Him. He was the very likeness of God. Everything that God is, Jesus is. And we celebrate that truth today as we place our faith in Him. And so we're about to do something that our church has done for many years, and I love this part of our our baptismal observances. We're about to hear the testimonies of these folks that are trusting Jesus and are following Him in believers' baptism today. And we've told these folks, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, getting baptized is just going to be taking a weird bath in church. And we don't want any part in that. We want to make sure that folks know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then in obedience to Jesus, out of that love relationship with Jesus, then they follow Jesus in repentance and faith, turning from their sin and trusting in the only Savior, Jesus Christ. And so again, baptism, 
It's a symbol. Baptism, it's a starting point. He wanted to emphasize so clearly to everyone today, this is the beginning of a lifelong race with Jesus. It's a starting point. But we also want you to hear, as these folks are preparing to come and share these testimonies of those who are going to be baptized, that these folks are making a statement today. You see, baptism is what separates those who go to the car lot just to kick the tires from those who are planning on buying it and taking it home. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where obedience becomes action. This is where words are put into practice. This is the first step of Christian obedience. And these folks that are coming to be baptized today are making a twofold statement, church. First of all, they are saying to Jesus, I'm with you now. But second of all, we oftentimes miss this church in our individualized picture of Christianity. We oftentimes forget that baptism is also these folks coming and saying in front of the church, I'm with you now. So they're saying to the Lord, I'm with you now. And they're saying to you, church, I'm with you now. And church, this is also a declaration by us as we observe these baptisms. We are not passive participants. We are active in this as well as we look at these new believers, at these new members of our family. We are looking at them and we're saying, guess what? You're with us now. We're family. And not just an earthly family that will be ended by death. We are an eternal family that will last forever and ever. And so it's a good idea for us to get to know one another now. And so I'm going to invite, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a couple of of hymns. And I'm going to invite each of these folks that are going to be reading testimonies to come and share. You listen close. Listen for the reminders of who Jesus is, what he has done for us. And we want you to know today... If you're sitting here, we don't want we don't want to just just expect that everybody that's here knows Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want you to know without any question that this gospel, this good news, is for you. This Savior is for you. This transformation is available to you through repentance and faith. You would turn from your sins and trust in Jesus today. We want you to understand very clearly that He loves you. He proved it at the cross. He wants you. He has opened the door of His kingdom to you. And if you'll trust in Him, He'll welcome you. Let me pray for us. Grant's going to come and lead us in a couple more hymns. And then we'll hear these testimonies. Father, we thank you for these that are going to come and picture the gospel for us here in just a few minutes. Hearing their stories and then seeing their stories played out in the waters of baptism. Lord, thank you for this gift. Thank you for the powerful picture we're going to see today of the fact that you died in our place. That you were laid in a tomb that should have rightfully been ours because of our rebellion against you. And that you rose from the dead three days later as a guarantee of what you came to do for us. To save us from our sins and secure us an eternal home with you. Thank you for these things, Father. And Lord Jesus, would you lead us in singing these old hymns to your glory. As we prepare our hearts to hear these testimonies today. In Jesus' name. That song really is...
the song and testimony, or the testimony and song of those who are following the Lord in believers' baptism. But we want you to hear uh, their written testimonies this morning, and you're going to hear a variety of things in these testimonies. You're going to hear what God used to lead these four folks to faith in Him, to this place of now following Him in obedience to His command. For one of them, it was literally the fear of hell that led to discussions with His folks, uh, that led to Him trusting in Jesus. For another, it was the recognition of His uh, anger and disobedience toward His parents and toward the Lord that led Him to this place today. For one, it was a good, old, faithful discussion with a friend that led to this place. And for another, it was something as simple as a book recommendation. And so God uses a variety of circumstances, and yet the commonality is there's one gospel that saves. His name is Jesus Christ, and we're celebrating Him today. So I'm going to invite these folks to come. I've got the testimonies right here in front of me. and. I didn't know exactly what order we should go in, so we're just going to go in alphabetical order today. That seems the best way to do it. So I'm going to invite uh, Aiden Morton, and I think, Scott, are you going to read his testimony today? All right. Scott's going to come up yeah, He's in a hand. He's going to come and read his testimony for us this morning. All right. So before I trusted in Christ, this is Aiden. Uh, I was scared of the devil, but now there is nothing to be afraid of. Uh, this is how and when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. One night when I was going to bed, I was scared I wouldn't go to heaven. Mom and Dad talked to me and told me that I didn't have to be scared. We prayed together, and I asked God to save me. Mom asked me if I wanted to be baptized, and I said yes. Here in one or two ways, Christ has changed my life. I am wanting to go to church more and learn about God. Now when I say mean things, I realize it's not okay. I am no longer scared because I know God is always with me. All right. So you guys be in prayer uh, for Aiden as he follows the Lord in baptism. This morning, the next one we have is Isaac Schick. Isaac, you want to come on up with your dad? I love this picture of, of dads who were pivotal and their sons come to know Christ. I think that's the way that it should be ideally. So, Stephen, you come and share this with us. This is Isaac's testimony. He says, Before I trusted in Christ, my life was full of anger and I was disobedient. I did not want to do what I was told. This is how and when I trusted in Christ as my Savior. I asked my dad about what happens when you believe in God. My dad explained about the gospel. My dad asked me if I wanted to him if I wanted him to pray with me. I said yes. I know it was right to trust in God. I prayed with my dad. I asked Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. God saved me in June of 2019. Here are one or two ways Christ has changed my life. I have been nicer to my siblings, and I try to help my families more. My family more. I enjoy learning more about the Bible and Jesus.
You know, it's amazing how God uh, uses relationships to bring us into a relationship with Him or to strengthen our relationship uh, with Him. And God uses us in the lives of one another, whether it's family, as we've seen with these two young men and their testimonies, or in the case of the two we're about to hear, whether it's just good friends and their influence in our lives. And so I'm going to invite Savannah to come, and she's going to share Megan's testimony. And uh, you guys listen closely to this one. Before I followed Christ, my life was a bit chaotic and messy. Being raised in church, I've always known Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. To make matters even worse, I wasn't even aware that I didn't know Him. I was living a passive, I'll do it tomorrow kind of life. I wasn't repenting as I should, because honestly, I wasn't sorrowful sorrowful for a the wrong that I was doing. However, when 2020 hit us, I thought now would be a great time to study the Word. I didn't know much and couldn't make heads or tails out of a lot I read, and I got discouraged and stopped. But when the good, when a good friend and I were seriously discussing homeschooling our kids, I began to think of all the benefits homeschooling offers, especially being able to accurately teach my kids about Jesus and all the Bible has to offer. So I began praying. Each time I'd back out of, of deciding to homeschool and I felt guilty. Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'd always go back to that verse because I believe Jesus was reaching out to me. He was calling me. Was I to turn my face and hide because I was scared and feeling unequipped? I kind of wanted to, honestly, but to not answer him would be sinful. Jesus extended his hand to me many times in my life, but only recently have I grabbed it and didn't let go. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, I knew with confidence. I knew with confidence that as long as I was leaning on the Lord, I would always be equipped. He will provide. He, his will is perfect, and in my weak, in my weakness, there is His strength. There is His grace. There is His forgiveness. Therefore, I have no excuse. I must desire Him. I must learn and teach, and I must make disciples of my children. And what a perfect path the Lord has laid before me to homeschool. I was convicted through God's most precious souls He delivered to me and entrusted to me did I find Him. I surrendered, and I began to pray more, and I began to read more, and I began to study more. I began to ask more questions, all the while turning to Him with a thankful heart and leaning on Him for wisdom and discernment. Since deciding to truly accept Christ, my life has changed. I find comfort in the Word. I desire to keep learning. I desire to study with other brothers and sisters to help me make my walk stronger. My patience and love are growing, and all this is only a result of the Holy Spirit reaching out to me. I am unworthy, but His grace is sufficient, and He accepts accepts me, thank God. Truly, I pray that He will always call upon me, and that my eyes never leave Him. Our final testimony today will be Megan's husband, Talon. And uh, his good friend, Chris Hamilton, is going to come and, and share Talon's testimony this morning. Hi. 
I was raised in a believing or in a household believing in Christ. I attended church and Sunday school when I was young. As I grew older, we stopped we stopped going to church. At that point, if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. But nothing, nothing I did in my life showed any devotion to Christ. I met my wife, and she regularly attended church and prayed. I would go to church with her regularly, but still never put in initiative to grow in my faith in Jesus. At the birth of our first child, watching her take her first breath was amazing, truly a work of God. Afterward, I told my wife I wanted to be baptized, and that would be my testimony. But time went on, and as usual, I didn't put any effort or initiative toward doing so. Recently, a friend of mine made a post on Facebook suggesting a book that he had read recently. It caught my attention, so I ordered the book and began to read it. In the beginning, in the beginning, the other, or the author gave his testimony as to what happened to make him want to write the book in the first place. He started here. He stated that he attended church regularly, was part of the choir, tithed, and was involved in many church activities, and had several Bible verses memorized. But he seldom prayed or read scripture. He said one day his boss asked him what his favorite scripture was. He said he said he immediately felt like he had been caught, like he was a fraud, and that he had guilt about it. Then he came to terms with two things. He didn't love the Word of God. He didn't even know the Word of God. This hit me like a ton of bricks, for I seldom read the Bible and rarely prayed. When I did, it was shallow, thoughtless, and a repetitive prayer. I saw... I was a person who proclaimed to be a Christian, but outside of my own proclamation exhibited no signs otherwise of being one. I came to the realization that I didn't love the Word of God, and I didn't know the Word of God. That was my low point spiritually. At that point, I knew knew where I was and knew I wanted to grow in my faith and serve Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. I want to love the Word of God know the Word of God, and serve Him to the best of my ability. I'm eager and I'm excited to be baptized to show my outward profession of faith to Christ. I'm grateful to be a part of this church, to grow and to learn with my church family. Thank you all so much for being welcoming to my family and to myself. We are truly blessed and fortunate to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. variety of stories with the same God, a variety of pathways that he has used to bring him to this place of obedience today. But again, as, as Paul writes in Ephesians, we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. So we're celebrating that today. I'm going to offer us a prayer. Grant's going to lead us in one last hymn, our, our church's favorite hymn, I think, uh, Because He Lives. And uh, and then Matt will close us out. I'm going to invite, as we're singing because he lives, and we get to that second or third verse, uh, folks that are being baptized and those that are wanting to walk in with them, we can kind of start making our way uh, down that direction. We're in no hurry today, but we're going to baptize. We're going to come back up here and share uh, some good old Baptist fellowship around the table, and then um, we'll be finished up for the day. So let me pray for us. Grant's going to come and lead us in this morning. Father, thank you for these testimonies, Lord, reminders of your grace, reminders of your goodness. We deserve not one bit of it, and yet you have abundantly blessed us with your presence, your peace, and your people. 
Well, I thank you for even what Talon said at the end of his testimony there, the reminder that these folks are not just getting connected to Christ, they're getting connected to the church. There's a new family now, a new fellowship, new relationships to grow in. And I pray for the faith of these to flourish and to grow, not to grow stagnant, but to grow powerful, that they would become great witnesses for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name.